Let's thank you all very much for leading us this morning. Um, as we're trying to transition a little bit here, let me ask you to do a couple things. Um, one, we're going to be in the Gospel of John this morning for the message. Um, we're going to be taking communion today. Um, it's our fifth Sunday, and that has become a kind of a new practice for us. Um, Parents, I want you especially to pay attention to this uh, announcement, um, and children as well. We are going to be doing things just a little differently today because of communion. Um, how we're going to work this is the children are not going to leave the service today because how we're going to be splitting things up. So, Stacy, when the children leave, could you just come and play on the keyboard? And I, I think your family could come up too. You want to come over and sit with them? <laughs> Somebody grab a chair for Stacy to pull up beside her. Thanks, Josh. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> you got kind of off on the keyboard side. You can walk in front and nobody's going to care. But <laughs> I mean, I sit with, by myself a lot in the service. I know Katie gets left. Sorry, sweetie. But I was like, I'm not doing that to her. So, um, so if you'll just come like after the children's time, and all y'all can come up, we'll do a reprise because it'll be kind of short, okay, as we take communion. Um, so that, that's kind of the business thing uh, of stuff this morning. Um, I do want to say a couple other things, though, just to catch you up on, on some things um, in my own life personally. Uh, several of you have asked how my week was in Kansas City uh, at my ser seminar on the Baptist tradition. Um, it was a great week for me, um, just kind of Give you, give you a little quick catch-up. Uh, it was Baptist tradition. It was a seminar. We covered 400 years of Baptist life, so starting in the late 1500s. I read more Anabaptist and early Baptist uh, than I probably would have ever read in my life for this seminar. Uh, but it, it, And I was a little nervous about going in because there were only supposed to be six of us in the class, which I felt like I'm going to have to carry a lot of discussion um, there ended up being one guy who got uh, COVID, and he had to miss the seminar and do it in independent study, so that left us with five of us, um, so I was even more concerned, but the, the professors were really gracious. Um, it ended up being a great week for me. I walked out uh, more confident about the whole process of, of PhD work at this point um, because I've only got two more seminars for, for schooling itself, um, and then I go, yeah, <laughs> praise the Lord. And then I go into, uh, so in the fall of 2022, I will start dissertation preparation stuff. And so I, I learned a little bit more about the process of that um, and the writing that will be going on in that. Um, and, and so I would, I, first of all, thank you so much for your prayers because all of that stuff, um, it's, it's really not in my wheelhouse. Um, I, I have said this before, and it feels this way every time you walk into one of those seminars, you go, you're, you know you're not the sharpest guy in the room. And I, I can guarantee you I am not. I, I certainly know that it is humbling and it's a reminder that even at my age, as long as I've walked with the Lord, I have a lot of growth to do uh, in the Word and, and matters of history and, and all things altogether. Uh, but, but it's such a privilege to be in an environment where you can do that. So that is not just my choice. That was uh, also a choice that we as a church made to allow me to do this. So thank you very much. It's good for me personally, and I believe it's also very good for our, our church. Um, I would remind you of this. Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I'm attending in Kansas City, is a Southern Baptist seminary. So when you contribute to our church, we end up having some of those dollars go to support our seminaries. 
And Midwestern, their motto is this, for the church. They're, they're not doing anything that is just like secluded into the academic realm. And that's one of those things. And I don't think any of our Southern Baptist uh, seminaries do that, by the way. But I, I know that their thrust and their, their main focus is to make sure that what we're doing in those seminars ends up impacting us as churches because they don't want it just to be some kind of you know, heady academic stuff. And so I feel like even where I want to end up in my dissertation um, writing in a couple of years is going to put us as a church, help, help pastors and churches. So again, all that to say, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. I uh, know that I continue to covet those. Uh, um, I'm in over my head right now because I've already started the next seminar uh, on the Reformation and I've got 6,000 pages of reading. So put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little while. You'll go, what? Um, and, and that's including papers and other stuff. So it's a, I'm, I'm feeling the anxiety of that. So pray for me still. Um, now, with all that said, um, this morning, I, I'm so excited to be teaching out of this passage of Scripture in John chapter 6. We're going to be looking at this idea of Jesus being the bread. And, and as we think about the elements, and I've, I've got these up here, and we'll, we'll address those in a few minutes, um, but, but as we think through the importance of the, the Lord's Supper, communion, uh, us coming together as believers, th this is one of the highlights of our lives. I, I know we're not a, a um, what I would say is a high tradition church where we do this every week. Um, I, there's, there's aspects where I go, I wish we could do that. Um, you say, well, we could. I, I think there's a good balance that we have to do this every fifth Sunday for sure and to, to emphasize it to other key points. Um, but when we think about the idea of communion, it is one of the high points of the church life because it emphasizes our confession as, as who we are as followers of Christ. And, and this is certainly a sacred thing that we do together. Um, and, and so I remind you of that, especially parents, as you're dealing with your children. Because if you, as Baptists, we, we hold that we don't take this until we've made a profession of faith. So, so you may have to turn to your child and say, hang on a second, sweetie, this, this is not for you at, at this time. That's okay, because that's an opportunity for you as a parent to stir up gospel conversations with them about why they ought to wait, okay? So, so we're not apologetic for that. It helps us intentionalize our, our understanding of the Scripture and the faith that we possess. So I just encourage you as parents, help them navigate that this morning. We, we've done that with our three children um, and, and so we look forward to helping them someday when they have their own kids navigate those waters and as we pray for their kids' salvation. So it's a good, good thing. Now, what I want to do is I want to read um, the passage to start with, and um, then we'll get into some key thoughts for the morning. So we're going to start pick up in uh, John chapter 6, verse 25, and we're going to read through verse 40. So it's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but there's so many key elements in this that I, I just don't think we can overlook these things. So I, I'm, I'm never apologetic, really, about reading the Word of God, okay? So let's, let's hear from the Lord in His Word, especially think through what Jesus Himself is saying in this passage this morning. So John 6, 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, that, that was the disciples in the crowds right there, okay? They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
Now, here's the context. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. There, there's these passages both in Matthew's gospel where we've been in, in uh, recent months, and then here again in John the, in the, in the um, synoptic gospels where they, the writers take these accounts, and Jesus has just fed the multitudes, okay? And so they're, they're looking at those miracles and going, hey, we, we've heard about these we, things. We want to see that again. And Jesus knows their hearts. Remember, that's not what they ask. He's, he sensed their hearts, and he's kind of confronted them. Okay, so let's keep going in verse 27. Jesus says, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as I read through this passage, I know There's so many rich truths that we could focus on today, but Lord, for for the sake of time and what you've uh, placed upon my heart and mind in in, in preparation and thinking and and focus of this week, it's it's not to cover the entirety of this passage, but Lord, there may be someone here who needs to focus on something differently, and what we get to do is we get to trust that your Holy Spirit will will bring those things out of the scriptures that's read, and and the Holy Spirit will enlighten their hearts and their minds to the truth of things. So Lord, we, we don't um, limit you and your authority and your power as you take the word and, and bear fruit from it. But Lord, as, as we do focus in this morning into these things that, that I think are preeminent for us as a, a church body today, I pray that you give us ears to hear, minds to digest, hearts to understand, so that we are both confronted by sin and our tendency to, to go astray from you. And, and that's not, um, even as I say that, I, I think that, that our tendency is, is not so much uh, just out of a, a, a casualness, but Lord, it's, it's birthed out of our, our sin nature. And so Lord, let us recognize that as well, that we have a desperate need for Jesus. So Lord, I, I don't know where every person is in the, the room today, but I know this, we, we each need to hear from you. So I pray that your spirit would speak to us clearly. 
Lord, that you take these thoughts today and, and we would be transformed by your grace and your favor and your goodness. And we would, we would rejoice in the salvation that we have in Christ. So, Father, uh, we, we just submit ourselves to you now in his name. Amen. So, I, I want to cover a couple things real quickly this morning. Um, as we go back and look at verse, verses uh, 25 and 26 in particular, um, let, let's read those again. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So they're, they're watching, the crowds are watching. And we've talked about the, how the crowds tend to be curious. They're not committed. And, and Jesus has is, is, uh, been working through that with his disciples, especially saying, don't just be uh, that crowd who's curious. Find out how you can be committed to a faithful walk with the Lord. And I think that's part of what he's diving into with them here. So in verse 26, that's why he says, he's answering a question that they've not asked, right? They're wondering how he got there, and he goes straight to their hearts. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. I think that's a very interesting comment that Jesus makes, because he's contrasting the signs that would actually, in their hearts and minds, that they, they later say, well, we want to see those signs because we want to understand that you're Messiah. But, but Jesus is saying, you're looking for the wrong reasons. You're not looking for the Messiah. You're looking for the physical things, the tangible things to be met. And, and as I started thinking about that, I, I started kind of being challenged about my own life with the Lord and my own perspective at times. And I started thinking about how, especially we as an American culture, can, can like unroll, you know, you think about the long scroll that we will we'll see Santa Claus get, and I'm not, you know, you know y'all, y'all are with me, mental, mental image, right? And that's what we do to the Lord. We go, hear my selfish interests, God. The, the, will you meet these things? I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I've got these things going on. I, I, I want you to, to, to handle those. And that's a good thing. I'm, I'm not saying that that's a, a totally bad thing, but I think too often, and, and in this case, I think what Jesus was confronting them about was that was all they were doing. They, they weren't really looking for the signs of, of Jesus being the Messiah. They, they were just looking for those immediate moments, uh, the, the, the immediacy of their, their circumstances to be met. And Jesus says, that's not it. Because what Jesus does is not only contrast that, that physical element with the, the signs, he comes along and he contrasts a deep spiritual issue for them. Look at verse 27 now. He says in verse 27, do not labor for the food that perishes. Isn't that a great statement? Because again, I think that he's saying, you're, you're looking just for me to, to break the bread and, and multiply fishes and to, to find that satisfactory. But, but don't, don't be, don't end there. He says, that's not what you need to labor for. He says, but labor for the food that endures to eternal life. Whoa. Now, now let me point something out, because I think this is going to be important in, in minutes to come in this message. Jesus tells them to work for something. And that's, that can be a, like, put us in tension in, in Protestant life. Because we want to really rally around this idea that we don't work for our salvation. And I want you to hear me clearly. We don't work for our salvation. Okay? There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to be saved. But there is something that we also do to labor. We, we pursue. 
We, we, we hunger there, there, because we long for things to be different in our lives spiritually. There is something that we engage in in, in matters of spiritual inclination and spiritual life. And, and Jesus says that in that moment. We need to be pursuing things. And you guys have heard me share this definition of motivation over the years. If you haven't, congratulations, you're going to get a, a trip down eighth grade memory lane for a second. Motivation is the stuff that permeates our entire being when we have a clear, vivid picture in our mind of what we want to do and an intense, burning, all-consuming desire in our heart to fight for it. See, see, there's a spiritual motivation that ought to exist in us where we fight for those things that are spiritual because we're wired that way, created in the image of God. It's been marred, but the Lord has still put a motivation within us to find answers for spiritual things. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at, is that we would labor for those spiritual answers, that we would pursue bread, the bread of life that changes us. How did Jesus say it? For eternity. Did you get that? And, and so we have to be on that course. So look, look at um, this as we continue, because I think this is, it comes back around. So, so he says, it's the food that in, uh, endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. I love that statement, because in that moment, Jesus has said he is set apart by the work of the Father for salvation. There's no other means of coming to salvation but through Christ. It's that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by Jesus. It's that echo right there of what that seal upon Jesus means. So, um, sorry, I'm, I'm having a lot of Reformation thoughts cloud in my brain right now from stuff. Y'all are, I'm going to keep out of that for a minute, okay? So let's, let's keep going. Um, Jesus then, so then they say, well, I love this in verse 28, well, what must we be, do, what mo, uh, let me get back, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So, so that they get the message. We, we need to pursue God. What do we do? And then Jesus says this in verse 29, this is the work of God. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. There it is. There is the key to this whole thing. That, that our work is a work of what? Faith. It's believing in the person of, of Christ, who God sent, who God affirmed, who God sealed, that we would just respond to the message of hope that is found in Christ. It's a work of faith. So let me, let me read a quote, because I, you guys know I'm, I'm loving more and more Spurgeon, the more time I spend with him. How many of y'all are reading Spurgeon because of my continued effect? So Maya, thank you. So, so I, um, I, can I pick on you for a second? Okay, you can say no. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, for my Baptist tradition seminar, one of the things I had to do is I had to read 10 Spurgeon sermons. Oh, shucks. Um, I love reading Spurgeon sermons. But one of the, th- the things I did is I started scrolling through my software that has all those, and I found one on the, the use of Scripture in the Sunday school. And it specifically drew out Timothy's life of growing up in the Scripture because of his mom and grandmother influencing him in the Scripture. And Maya passed that on to you and the, the children's ministry team, and you kind of went, man, it's, it's long, it's wordy, um, but it's so good. Yeah, just, just get started. You can't stop, right? 
And, and, and so that's the beauty of Spurgeon. And we, we talked about this at length in, in class this week. Um, Spurgeon covers almost every topic. It's crazy. Um, and that's part of the benefit. I would encourage you in this. If you're having a hard time figuring out what to do with your devotion life, just pick up Spurgeon's Morning and Evening or pick up his sermons. You can find those online free at the Spurgeon Center, okay? And, and you can just read part of those as a devotion because they're so rich. Now, all of that to say, Spurgeon wrote on this very passage, and I think what he says is, is key. So I want to read this to you because I think his summary is so profound. So here's what he says about this idea of our need to believe and to trust in and respond to Christ in faith. He says this, the teaching here is not that faith is wrought, or that means worked out, okay, in us by God, which I have already said is a great truth. So, so what he's saying is, he's already told us in other messages um, or his hearers, that God works out faith in us. It's, it's a gift. He's not de de denying that. He's saying that's just not the point of this passage, okay? So the passage here takes a different look at what faith is, okay? So he says, but, um, but it is this, that if men desire to work, the first and chief of all work is that they believe on Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Does any man object to faith being called the work of man? If he does, I ask him wherefore he objects. It is true that faith is the gift of God, but this does not militate for a moment with the other truth that faith is the work of man. For it is and must be the act of man. No one in his senses can deny that. Will you venture to say that man does not believe? Then I venture to tell you that he who does not personally believe in Jesus is a lost man. And if there be such a thing as a faith which is not a man's own act, indeed, it will not save him. The man must himself believe or perish. This is the plain doctrine of Scripture. I love this next statement. Repentance is wrought in us by the Holy Ghost, but we must ourselves repent, or we, will, we shall never be saved. Faith is wrought in us by the Holy Ghost, but the Holy Ghost does not believe or repent. These are man's own acts. With our hearts we believe unto righteousness. If we do not believe, then we are not partakers of the promise which is given to those who do believe. Do, do you hear what Spurgeon's saying? He's saying we need to hold these two things in tension because certainly the faith is a gift of the Lord to us by the Holy Spirit. But certainly faith is itself and our response to that message is our responsibility and our acting. And those two things come together. So it's the idea of two sides of the same coin, this kind of thing. Because when we are to repent, the Holy Spirit's working in us, but we have the responsibility to change and work alongside. And I think so many times people kind of get those things mixed up. But Jesus himself says that this is a work that we are to pursue. And we need to respond to these things. So, Here's my question, or here, here's what I would insist, that saving faith is the proper response to the enlightening work of the Spirit as He takes the Word of God and re reveals our need for salvation, our inability to earn that salvation, because true faith says what? I trust Jesus' work, not my own. Does that make sense? It's saying Jesus Himself has met all the requirements that I could never meet. Therefore, I believe that He is sufficient for my every need. The provision that has been made through Christ is what we trust, and our belief is in this, that Jesus is the atoning means for our salvation. It's simple. 
It's simple. And this morning, of all mornings, to me, when we think about what we're doing here, celebrating communion, what we are recognizing is the work of Jesus Christ and His work alone as that means for our salvation, as the uh, atoning work was done by Him. We're, We're admitting and confessing that He is the one who is the bread of life. It is His broken body. It's His life that was uh, 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 placed upon the cross so that His um, suffering and the cup of Him experiencing that suffering and the wrath of God poured out upon Him is enough. It's not anything that we do. We are, totally, we are saying we totally rely upon the work of Christ and we're confessing that together. So I, I started thinking about this though. I would say most of us in that, the room agree to that. But, but I would also venture that there's a lot of us that can be, even though we've confessed Christ, that we get sidetracked because we end up being a lot like the crowd. That, that we end up focusing on too many temporal things in, instead of the eternal things that God wants us to focus on. And, and, and what that does it doesn't break the fellowship with the Lord. It, it just kind of creates a tension and distance because we're focused on the wrong things. Because, and, and Stacy, I appreciate you sharing what you shared this morning at the start of the worship because we can get caught up in a lot of life circumstances and fail to see the value of the Lord in all these things because the Lord causes the rain to fall on whom? The righteous and the unrighteous. Circumstances should not be what determine our response to Him. Our response to Him needs to be uh, rooted in His work, the, the seal that the, the, our Heavenly Father has placed upon Him as the one who is the glory, the exact representation of the Father that has come to make Him known for us. And if we would keep that as the primary focus, how would we respond rightly to all the other tangible, temporal circumstances? I think it would be more of a right worshipful response because we're getting those things aligned with the person of Christ. And that's part of what I think this distraction is for me right now in some of my thoughts around the Reformation, is when we think about what salvation does for us, it's not just the end result for us. Does that make a little bit of sense? I think too many times we can be selfishly motivated to say, well, this is what I receive. But, but folks, the, the real benefit is everything about salvation is about the glory of Christ, And so if I come back to that simple Westminster Shorter Catechism piece, what is man's chief end? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's like those collaborate. And if we are just trying to enjoy Him forever without glorifying Him, we miss the point. And so salvation, what we experience in, in communion, it's about glorifying the work of Jesus alone. And yes, we get all the benefits. We do. But, but the glory needs to go to Him. And, and it needs to be about the celebration of Jesus, despite all the other things that are going on. 
Because I can guarantee you this. There's not a lot of things a pastor can get up and guarantee in this world anymore, right? But I can guarantee you this. We're all going to suffer. Suffering will never end for us in this life. The last thing that we will do is what? Suffer death. <laughs> so that's, the, the goal is not to escape suffering. The goal is to enjoy Jesus. It, it's to recognize His work and to trust Him and His person for all that He has done. And, and, and that's what I think Jesus is getting in in this passage. And so there's so many other, other things that we could focus in on, um, but I'm going to stop there.